coach and a therapist walked out of a bar looking to stir up some trouble. Even though life in the bar was fun, they thought life outside the bar would be even better. Together they created some sober nonsense. everybody. Welcome to Sober Nonsense, a podcast of two women talking about shenanigans. Sober shenanigans. Let's be clear. This is about addressing a lifelong challenge with a little less formality. Not formal whatsoever here. Everybody is welcome. You can be drinking, not drinking. And really one of our tenets of this podcast is the idea or concept that being sober doesn't necessarily have to mean abstinence from alcohol. But it does mean taking responsibility for your choices and making sure that you're having fun in life and playing and and really engaging that curiosity so you don't need to rely on the alcohol to have a good time. I love it, Teresa. And this podcast was really birthed, or this concept was really birthed from um, both of our experiences being similar in some ways, but very, very different in others. Um, but really wanting to create a community, a concept um, for people that maybe aren't fitting in the box of AA or sober communities, um, but still really wanting to commit to living life fully. And by fully, I mean (laughs) living with a clear mind and having an open heart to explore and and have fun and having a defined intention about who it is you want to be, how you want to show up in life, and what experience do you want to have while you're here? I fucking love it, Teresa. I fucking love it. So So this being our very first episode, we thought we would just, um, for our listener, let you know who we are. Sounds great. There's no better place to start than the beginning. It's amazing. So what we're going to do is ask each other just a couple get to know you questions. Um, For the listener, Teresa and I have known each other less than a year. Our relationship started uh, when I sought her out as a coach. Uh, Gosh, less than a year ago. And I really fell in love with um, not just the content of what Teresa was sharing and her ideas, but just her spirit. Aww. And I too love that your willingness and your openness to try new things being one of them. And I hope we're, I'm not jumping the horse here, but that when I asked you at the end of your first session, Hey, would you be willing? I didn't tell you to, I didn't say you should, but would you be willing to get rid of that clock that you are counting the days you don't drink? And Oh my God, that was the most liberating experience I think I had had in months, if not years of, you know, really trying to mindfully drink, not drink, be sober. Um, and just the ability to, to delete that app. I can't tell you the amount of relief I got it. Uh, I got from that. It was profound, profound you, in setting the stage. When you look at all the, the main teachers of our history, Jesus Christ, uh, I'm trying, I'm drawing a blank here, but Gandhi, uh, Buddha, help Mother me, Buddha. Teresa. Yes, thank you. All Oprah, <laughs> Oprah, Oprah, 
all of these teachers, they all say where your focus goes, energy flows. And if you're constantly thinking about, am I drinking? Am I not drinking? Drinking, 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 drinking. You're just bringing that energy in. So the natural thing to do is to focus on what it is you do want and less on what you don't want. And that getting rid of that, counting the days that I don't drink and using that as your measuring tool of success is probably one of the greatest, uh, the, 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 uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? It, it sets you free. It's a liberation, you know, yeah, if I can, really inter- does, it you feels really liberating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just so liberating. And to really look at the quality, right. It doesn't matter of, uh, you know, the numbers, but really looking at the quality versus quantity, um, which is really, you know, I found very radical after spending some time in other sober communities of counting days and, oh my God, if I drink after 20 days or a hundred days, I fell off the wagon. Like it, it just didn't feel good. And I am so much of a, um, a feeling type of person where I feel my way towards what is best in that kind of natural, natural way. So even if somebody had been sober for years, um, they might not necessarily feel good to spend time around. But we can get to that. <laughs> we can get to that later, right? Yeah, there's so much to get to. Oh, but that's very true. Yes. It's very yeah. true. There's there's people, when I first got went into AA, I had no idea. I had no reference to it. I went in once and I tried it out and realized quickly realized that if I wanted to maintain sobriety, if I wanted to not struggle with drinking or not drinking, I was going to have to remove myself from that focus. And so as I've written in my books and I've written in blog posts, I jumped on my pink cloud and I floated out of the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, never looked back. And that was 19 years ago. And I'll be sober almost 20 years or 20 years in March of 2023. So it's, uh, you don't have to focus on drinking. You don't have to use that as your guide stick. You can just focus on what it is that you want in life. It's so amazing. So I'm going to jump in with my first question. I'm just going to get right to it. I'm sure the listeners want to know. Um, if you don't, how is it that you've stayed, I guess, alcohol free for almost 20 years if you don't subscribe to the belief that sober means um, being free necessarily, you know, free from alcohol. So like, what's that about? <laughs> okay. So I'm going to just reward that a little bit for what I think I hear you saying is that mm-hmm. I, because my, my coaching, everything I've taught for over 10 years in my practice is that you, sobriety does not mean abstinence and you do not have to practice abstinence in order to be sober. Although I have practiced abstinence for nearly yeah. 20 years. Um, if I were to drink today, I wouldn't erase my, my sobriety. I would still consider myself sober because you cannot erase all the lessons that I have learned, all the, the deeper connections I've made to who it is that I am and what I, what I want in this world and how I want to experience this life. So I would not erase my sobriety as you would in a traditional setting that you would reset that clock. You would throw out that calendar, that checkoff days and say, I blew it. I'm starting over on day one. That's such bullshit. And it Mm -hmm. (laughs) get me pissed because how can you throw away everything that you've learned? The person that you have become just because you had a drink, it doesn't work that way. That's not how life is. And that's not sobriety. And yet, how have you done it? So you've been, you know, alcohol free for 20 years. 
Well, the, a lot of it is learning to get uncomfortable with the discomfort of not having something to do because a lot of us, we use alcohol because we get bored or we're lonely or um, we don't want to feel the weight of this world. You know, we want to detach. We want to disconnect. And so it's really two things there is that really getting comfortable with the uncomfortable mm -hmm. and learning to identify what it is you're really feeling. And a lot of us are very limited in our language around emotion. And it's either I feel good or I feel bad. And we don't, we don't go deeper into what those feelings are. That's huge. That's huge. And I know um, uh, being a, a psychotherapist, there's a lot of um, mindfulness, right? And the ability to sit with um, some of these difficult feelings that I certainly kind of teach my clients, but I practice myself as well. Mm -hmm. That can be a huge part of it is life isn't supposed to be fun, happy all the time. And it's like, um, you know, live in that, you know, it's all the yoga sayings, right? Of like, live in your flow. And it's like, no, life isn't flow all the time. No, life can not. be really hard and difficult. And so what do we do if we're not kind of taught the tools of how to deal with that? It is so easy to turn to a drink. And I know. And, yeah. and the thing is, is who do I want to be in this moment? Mm -hmm. This sucks Huge. really bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was, there was times where now I was raised in an environment where the women were not empowered and they, they, if they did not have a man taking care of them, they relied on government assistance on welfare is what they called it. I, I think there's other names for it now. And, um, there were times in my life where I thought that's who I'm going to be just like my mother. But instead of just accepting that feeling, I went deeper. And what are my choices from this? Where, where can I go from here? It's and just amazing. really having that clarity of mind. And that's where, when we talk about sobriety, that's having that clear mind of what are my options here? Because we always have other possibilities to explore if we will allow ourselves to consider them, even if they're possibilities we don't want. Amazing. Yeah amazing. Yeah. So did I answer your question? I think you did. I mean, I'm just thinking there's so much more. Of course, I want to learn from you. Um, you've got 20 years of experience. Uh, and so I'm just looking forward to, yeah, this podcast and asking you all sorts of fun, nonsensical and serious questions. Absolutely. And I <laughs> am more into nonsense, it all. I think, than I am serious. I love that. And I love that about you, that, that this, this discussion doesn't have to be serious all the time. That certainly there is an element that's quite serious to this, um, but that there's a, a way to navigate this that's fun and playful as well. There's a, something I've held, you've probably even heard me say it to you, is to hold it lightly. Mm. Hold it lightly and allow it to, and allow it to teach you, allow it to, uh, you know, spur that curiosity and, and go a little deeper, a little wider. Amazing. So let me ask you a question because Let's I know there's probably lots of people listening that would like to know, you know, how long have you been on this journey for you to find sobriety? And, and now that you've shifted your understanding of sobriety, but before that, yeah, before that, well, I, let's say I've been drinking since, um, I didn't start, I got quote unquote early, but in college when I'm 18, um, so good 25 years or so I've been a drinker, um, and really kind of identified it as an area that didn't fit in my life, uh, or it was starting to become a problematic in my life, probably about 
seven years ago. I had a young son, um, uh, lived out in Colorado for a while, had lots of fun, young adulting out there, moved back to Wisconsin to be closer to family. And I think at that time, it was really just a difficult transition. Um, and definitely I was going through some, some growing pains, some loneliness. Mm-hmm. And like so many other women I've here, it just became easier and easier to have an extra glass of wine, you know, each evening or every every other evening until it became quite a bit. Um, and so I had reached out to a sober coach. I've worked with a handful of coaches um, in the sober community. I'm always curious to get, you know, all the tools um, that I use both personally and then professionally in my practice as well. Um, and so I've been navigating the quote unquote, kind of like sober curious community for over five years. Um, and there's parts of it that I love, but there's been so much that as I've kind of sifted through that didn't really fit. And I, what I found is that there wasn't really, I didn't really find a community that felt good, supportive, uplifting. The communities that I found were, um, very mixed or very focused on um, counting days, where were you at at your worst, let's share our worst stories as a way to instill fear not to drink again. Um, And that just wasn't helpful for me. I think I've always been in that kind of maybe moderate drinking area, Um, you know, very functional, but being a wellness practitioner, so I'm a psychotherapist, yoga instructor, I just love all anything that's kind of in that wellness area. I'm a firm believer too that I need to embody wellness myself if I'm going to have a practice based around wellness. So who wants to go see somebody for help if they don't have their shit together? (laughs) But there goes the story is that, you know, the the greatest mechanics, cars are in the shop and the greatest Mm -hmm. contractors, houses are unbuilt. And yes. um, So I I think that even, you know, the greatest coaches, the greatest therapists, they're human beings. They're, they don't have all the answers, but yeah, we can help you find your answers through you because you're the I one love that. And just to really put it out there that I'm a work in progress too. I'm working on myself and I'll always be like that. I will always be working on something. That's just how I'm wired. And I am perfection. So we'll just leave it out at that. You're a perfectionist. Okay, good. So we've no, got... I'm not a perfectionist. I am perfection. <laughs> You're perfection. I am. Per- no, I'm not. Of course you I'm are. Not. You are a total perfection. <laughs> I am a hot mess and I own it, but I own it. And That's, I, I always love that. learn and grow from it. I always get curious about, well, I wonder why I made that decision. Why did I snap at my husband? Why did I... What what is that that created fear in me about that situation, and how, why did I respond in that way? And it's always getting curious, and again, looking at those emotions that are going further than I was just mad. Okay, yeah. Why were you mad? I felt uncomfortable. How come you felt uncomfortable? What is that about? Yeah. Right. Well, what and just I, you know, and, and just for the listener to to um, understand too that I'm still drinking from time to time. It's not as oh, if yeah. I'm. Yeah, abstinent from alcohol. So I'm in that dabbling or curious, um, you know, arena. I call it more of a uh, a developing relationship with alcohol. Oh, you know, yeah. Because the more you, the more you get comfortable with who you are, the more that you develop that sense of trust in yourself to make that choice. 
and where you have other things that are of higher value that you want to do. So you don't want to be tired or you don't want to take yourself out of the game with a, a glass or two of wine that will become less of a challenge that will become less mm -hmm. of an a, even an option or a consideration because you will naturally choose life over opting out with the dream right i love that i love that but that takes exactly. practice because how long have you been practicing relying on alcohol uh since i've been 18 yeah and yeah. here's the this is the kicker is guess what alcohol's doing its job it's right? doing its job, isn't it? You, you can't stop at just one. Well, why would you stop at just one if there's no motivating factor? But I would Absolutely. ask you this. If your son were to get ill, would you need to take a drink with you or could you set it down and stop drinking for the rest of the day? Absolutely. I would be, I would not even think about it. You know, my number one priority would be tending to him. Exactly. Though there might have been a point in time where it's like, he's sick, he's napping, you know, it's five o'clock, maybe I'd have a drink. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think I think where I've come, I'm, I'm drinking a lot less. My relationship is a lot clearer to me with alcohol. And so it's headed in the right direction. Right. I'm comfortable with the way it's headed. I, I mean, would I like to wave a magic wand and say, absolutely, I'll never drink again? It'd be, sure, that might be nice, you know, I guess with, uh, but... I'm I'm letting myself be human. I'm letting myself explore um, further and further. But I'm curious, why would you want to let go of it all the way completely? Because I do see it as an attachment. I mean, maybe from time to time and celebration or ceremony, it might be nice. Um, but I kind of, I, I'm trying to practice. And I use the word practice a lot uh, in my mindfulness practice. Of kind of seeing it like, you know, a piece of chocolate cake. Um, now, when somebody brings home a piece of chocolate cake, typically, or a piece of, you know, chocolate uh, pie or whatever, I'll have a piece and I'll be okay. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, but I know sometimes for people, it's like, I need another piece, I need another piece. And so I'm, I'm trying to view alcohol like that, you know, of yeah. why, do, why do I need one more? <laughs> but what kind of with the, as much neutrality as I would, you know, if I ate a lot of sugar. And I think that it'll just, sense. I think it just, we have to understand and give grace that how, how long have you been thinking of it as I should be able to just walk away from it. I should exactly. just be able to have that neutrality with it. Otherwise it means I have a problem. So you, there's already been all that programming that's kind of got you anchored in that space. There's and that's where so, yes. I want you to think about not making it a good or bad thing or making it a a neutral thing, just thinking of it as I have an option. I can drink or I don't drink. And yeah. it doesn't have to be good or bad. And so right much of it for me, I, you know, um, the more I learn about kind of epigenetics and the way the mind work is I think uh, there's so much programming. So I simply view it or see, mm -hmm. um, you know, my relationship with alcohol is a habit. It's a habit that's been forming for 25 years. Yes. And so the more I kind of challenge that habit and really have a firm belief that I can break that habit, um, you know, the more confident I am and the more... I guess, alive, I feel without it. So there are Excellent. times, right? Yeah. And I can even think in the past year of going out with friends, birthday parties, celebrations, and I, you know, bring my tea along and I have my intention when I go out is to be silly, fun and playful. And I have a great time. 
and kind of watch others, you know, maybe drink uh, around me. And I'm fine. I have, a, in fact, I, I feel better than I would if I was drinking because I can remember the whole night. I'm totally present. I put myself to bed. I can wake up laughing in the morning of all the shenanigans we got into. Um, so the more and more I can do that, I practice that. It's like wiring or laying down that foundation in my brain of like, I don't really need it to have a good time. It really is disrupting the patterns, right? We get into that, that feedback mm -hmm. loop is what the neuroscientists refer to it as. And that's where you, you start the, you start the loop just with a spark and then it goes to the next serving and the next serving and the next serving. And then you get in and it picks up in volume and velocity and you can't stop the truck. It you picks just... up. Now, do I do that every time? No. You know, there are times where there's alcohol around and I imbibe and, you know, but the more I practice, the, the more confidence I have of like, I don't really need it. So let me jump in. I'm going to ask you another question. Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. So tell me one thing that stood out to me. I, I read your book recently. This was after, um, after we met, after we decided to do this podcast, but I read your book, Holy Sober. And one thing that stood out to me was your resilience and your ability to get really focused. And that's something I just am in awe of you about. I really admire about that. So where the hell does that come from? Mm, where I does that of, come from? I kind of already touched on it earlier is that I get to, you kind of get to this bottom place and I don't want to talk about rock bottoms because I could have went a hell of a lot further down than what I did. Um, but you kind of get to this place of, I have choices. I could either just stay here and accept whatever's been dealt and find peace with it or what else. And so I start getting curious about what are the other possibilities, right? And so like when, when we'll take B, my sponsor in AA, when she totally dissed me and, and, and shunned me from the group. I could have said, I'm worthless. I can never get this. I don't have my support group anymore. I guess I'll go drink. And instead I'm like, okay, what do I want? And I want to have a career and I want to be free. And I don't want to have alcohol to still have an attachment on me, even though I'm not drinking, but I'm still, my life revolves around alcohol. So there was those choices. There was a choice of with Prince Harming, either I accept his abuse and just learn to be quiet and tiptoe, or I get sober and, and take responsibility for my choices. So there's always a choice and it always comes down to get to that spot of I'm exhausted. I'm disgusted. I I'm bored. I'm hopeless. But where do I go from here? What are my other options? That's amazing. Well, and I love that you are kind of pulling out this element of like, we have a choice. There's always a choice to be had. And um, one thing I, I've kind of used to believe maybe in the past, or I've even heard an AA, and again, AA works for a lot of people. I don't want to knock it. So yep. I, I'm not putting it down, but is this belief of I'm powerless. I'm powerless when it comes to alcohol. And so- you know, there might've been a time where I kind of mm, held that belief, but now I realize like, if I choose to drink, it's a choice. It is. It's not that I'm powerless. I have complete power, and there's, it's, but there it's a belief, people... right? That I have power and then I'm choosing to do this. 
So it's like really gaining back control and power. There are people that need to believe that. They need to have that understanding that they are powerless and that if they just pick up one drink, there's nothing they can do to stop the locomotive. Why do you think that is? It's a just, it's easier to believe I don't have, I mean, I can understand it's easy to go down. If I have one, it's easier to have more, but, um, I, I don't, I don't, there's all kinds of personalities in this world, right? And there's some people that have just been, they've been conditioned that way is to just accept what they, what they're told and not to challenge it. I have never been that person going all the way back to cutting class and kindergarten mm-hmm. <laughs> always you cut class in kindergarten Amazing. i think it was first grade actually i knew we'd be friends <laughs> <laughs> i you know and there's there's something that um i address i i've even mentioned it in in one of the books but that i attract a very particular personality and that's typically somebody who is a rebel an independent thinker that doesn't want to be told what to do. I, I even say they don't even want to listen to themselves, <laughs> tell mm-hmm. them what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really think it's somebody who they don't conform. And there are a lot of personalities that do conform and they're more comfortable having somebody tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. If I that, that is what you want in, in your path, I will assure you sober nonsense is not the place for that. Sober nonsense. Well, and I think that's, that's the beauty of, of this concept right here is in my five, you know, years, six years or whatever, I felt like while I'm getting tools and resources for what's out there, nothing really felt like a really good fit for me. And again, I'm a very intuitive person. So I always kind of held this belief or maybe this question of, I don't really know yet how I'm going to navigate this, but I just trust that there's something out there that I haven't quite found or created yet. And that's why I just love working with you. Excellent. I'm working with you. Um, So I have a question for you and we kind of talked about this before, but I want, I really want the listener to be able to, to hear this because I've had a lot of women afraid of what they're going to have to give up or mm-hmm. what their life might look like without alcohol in their, um, as part of their social community or even their marriages. Yeah. And so did you have any fears like that? And maybe fear is a heightened word and too strong of a word, but what were some of your concerns about not drinking? You know, when I first entered this realm, sober curious, I was terrified. I was really terrified uh, with the belief that I didn't have control. I was drinking too much. You know, I didn't have the tools. What would this mean for my marriage, my friendships, my mental health? Um, But the simple reality was the more and more time I got under my belt and confidence I got under my belt, um, the fear subsided. I, I got, again, the confidence to trust that I could do this. So now I think, while I don't, ha- I don't have any fear thinking about a sober life. Like if I visualize the reality of not having a drink again, it, it almost feels liberating. I'm like, that's great. That'll be fun. <laughs> you know, that sounds like fun. Um, I, I know I could, I know I w- wouldn't be able to enjoy life um, without it. 
I would say now this podcast, um, while I'm not scared of doing it, it definitely feels very, very vulnerable for me to sit down and attempt something new, put myself out there. Um, that feels very vulnerable. And vulnerable does that, is that a negative feeling for you? It's a little scary. It's a little scary of, you know, what, you know, who's listening to this? What will friends and family think? What will clients think if they listen to it? It's, um, there's an element of that, of just being able to open up. Yeah. Yeah. So the element of vulnerability is there. I remember that when I, when I first published, uh, Holy Sober, as you know, there's so many. Sensitive. Oh yeah, you. I mean, I felt like you just opened up, and I was, I was um, really in awe of your vulnerability. So that, you know, I do believe that vulnerability is a strength. Um, oh, absolutely. Though it it can feel kind of scary, right? It can feel kind of scary to open up and put yourself out there. So um, that for me is this podcast of really just kind of like pushing my comfort zone. Mm, vulnerability. Mm. That is, it's a superpower, actually, if you can get comfortable with allowing yourself to be raw and open. And yeah. I mean, this is the worst you can do to me. So take your best shot because. <laughs> take your best shot. Right here I am. <laughs> yep. Here I am. Here's all of me. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So does that answer your question? Wow, I wonder if it answers the 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 listeners' questions, and that's one. Let's let's put that out there. That if you have any specific questions, you can find us on Facebook or Instagram and put your questions out there. We'll be happy to answer them. I love um, that. I think that Melissa, you give such a unique insight into somebody who's in that actively in that negotiating, kind of feeling your way around. And maturing, almost maturing into a relationship with alcohol to where you are the one in charge, right? Absolutely. Instead of of a belief system or the programming or the conditioning that society has done such an amazing job at is that one size fits all, we'll put you in a box, stick a label on you and that's it, you're done. Uh, It's not that easy. And, And I don't want people struggling and you don't have to struggle with this decision. You can always, as long as you're not causing harm to yourself or others, if you are, please, this is not the place to be, to be getting support. This is a place for people who are curious, who are, you know, concerned with maybe they're going a little too far with their drinking and but they believe there's got to be another way. This is an, another way, another way of thinking about things. Absolutely. I agree. And, you know, the more open I am, the more, you know, I delve into this community. I realize there's so many women, so many people just like me, right? Who professional, right? Families um, and have acknowledged that there have been times when I've used alcohol um, as a way to cope and it's become unhealthy. I think that's a really good point too. And I'm glad that you brought that up because I come from the drinking excessively from the time I was a teenager up until my mid thirties, which coincidentally there's a book called outgrowing alcohol written by Dr. Stanton Peel, who has been Mm -hmm. pushing against the uh, alcoholism as a disease theory and uh, alcoholics anonymous, how damaging it can be for some people. Again, if that's your your way, enjoy it, 
live life, love life. I don't care what you do, but it, it does push against the traditional thinking. And it just so happens I was that age, 35 years old when I mm-hmm. stopped drinking. I think, wow. I don't think that's a coincidence. Also, my husband had been in AA since the time he was 17. And when he was 35, he stopped drinking, hasn't had a drink in almost 20 years either. So I don't think there's uh that's a coincidence but on the other side of that coin is the women that i've been coaching over 10 years and that's kind of where you fall in is that it's like this almost the second act but i don't want that to sound no i love second act i I, and i've I've thought to myself okay I've, i've been drinking for 25 years um let's stop. Like, let's do 25 without it. Like, not that like it sucks and I need to end, but like, that's been a great chapter. Um, thank you so much. It's been fun. And now let's see what else is to come. See, I love that. That's an exciting and curious and what's next. That's how we should be looking at life without relying on alcohol to do the heavy lifting of having fun. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, so absolutely. We're going to let our human, our human nature and our natural spiritual curiosity carry us through the second act instead of relying on alcohol to do all the work. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. So I have a question for you. Tell us about your second, I, I mean, second act. Right? Maybe this is your two third or, or whatever. You're not your second act, but tell us like, what do you doing now so you you don't drink you're coaching like what do you do for inspiration for fun what do you do to stay fully present and alive mm. I am as childlike as possible mm. my kids are grown my boys are oh gosh <laughs> 37 and 33 wow and uh and I have a grandson but I am we went to Dollywood last week. Was it last week? Somewhere. Last yes. Week, Tell me about Dollywood. <laughs> and, you know, and, and I went in with the attention of just having a good time. I don't, I don't have any expectations other than to have a good time. So if something goes wrong, it's okay. It's part of it. We're going to have a good time. And we did have an amazing time. I did something that was, in, I'm afraid of heights. I don't like situations. I'm not comfortable with situations that I'm not in control and so I put myself on the swing, the open swing to go up to the top of the mountains in a, I think it's a Niska, uh, where the treetops, they have the treetop bridges and zip lining and stuff. And I was shaking so bad. I could barely, I was shaking the whole swing. I was so, I could barely breathe. I don't know. It was, it was a scary thing, but that it made me realize that I'm alive, right? It tells Mm. me that I'm alive and I'm experiencing this. I was intentional about this. I have an open heart for, for new adventures and experiences. Um, and so I'm always looking to find out what else, Mm -hmm. who else am I? What else do I want to know? What else do I want to explore? Um, I love to write. I love to inspire other people and, and, and empower other people and, encourage other people that just, that's my highlight. And again, I'm, I'm as childlike as possible. I love that. And I love that about you and that I just, I, and I love, um, your, your, uh, ability just to encourage that. Uh, I know in our time together, um, you had really encouraged me. I got back from a, a backpacking trip like a 
couple weekends ago. It was just a ladies' backpacking trip up in the Upper Peninsula of um, Michigan. Um, but I signed up, thought it would be so much fun. And then I remember saying to you, like, well, now I'm starting to have some thoughts. What if it's cold? What if I get injured? What if I can't handle it? You know, I haven't backpacked since I was 19 years old. I have no business as a 43-year-old lady going out and doing this. Um, but I, I went and I did it and I pushed my comfort zone, which was part of the intention. Just like, hey, can I still do this? Can I still go haul shit on my back and carry my tent and food and all that? Um, and I did push my comfort zones and I'm yeah. so glad that I did it. It was it was just really empowering to to not, you know, be in my safe comfort, I guess, in my home, my heated home. The first night we we um, camped right off of Lake Superior and there's 40 per mile hour winds. It was freezing. And I said to my friend, fuck this. I want to go get a hotel room. This is too cold. But luckily, you know, she was like, Melissa, we can do this. No big deal. Um, and we did it. And it was awesome. But just that, I think, um, that mindfulness, that that ability to be aware of, like, it's important to keep challenging, challenging ourselves, to not play it safe all the time. And I guess the message with that is that you're not done. You're not ever done. Mm -hmm. And when you are mm -hmm. done, stick a fork in you, put, drop into the coffin Call it a day. It's done. But you're Are you going to die by fork death? Is that it? Stick a fork in you? <laughs> so we check the right. turkey, right? Yeah. But, it's, but seriously, we are not done. As long as we have breath in us, there is still experiences to ha be had. And, and that you can either have fun and do it with a zest for life, or you can do it out of, be forced to do it because fear's got you stuck. And Absolutely. so I always go with, you know, go for it. And what if, what if it gets too cold? What will you do? And I remember yeah. us having that conversation. And then what if, what if, what if that does happen? What will you do? Mm -hmm. And then it kind of took, well, I guess those are things that can be managed, right? I guess I can figure it out. Yeah. You are, <laughs> yeah. A, you can think things through very well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. So what do you do? How do you, how do you have, you kind of already talked about it, but I think it's so important to really kind of expand on is, is what do you do instead of drinking? How do you feel that time? What do I do? So, um, well, I, I have other addictions like foster animals. I, I love to foster dogs. And once in a while, about once a year, I foster cat, even though I, I just need to remember that I don't like to clean litter boxes. So I don't know why I continue to do it, but once a year, I foster cat. Um, <laughs> I love animals. I love spending time in nature and hiking. I practice a lot of yoga. And I'm always up for shenanigans with friends. So um I live pretty close to Lake Michigan. Um, so, you know, once in a while we'll go jump in the lake. Um, anything that's kind of new, yeah. anything that's kind of silly. I've been recently, I've been into this phase of going to Goodwill and finding mm, cheesy signs or even, um, you know, those carpet covers for toilet seats. It's like somebody put a rug on your toilet seat. <laughs> So gross, but I found a couple of those. They they were packaged. I don't know if Goodwill would take used ones, but I go to friends' homes and I put on their toilet seat. So I kind of like I do these little pranks to keep myself. Oh my gosh! Entertained. I love you. That is hilarious. <laughs> that 
I kind of have the mentality of like an eighth grade boy when it really comes down to it. I'm a prankster. I love shenanigans. I love anything that's funny, silly, playful. Um, But honestly, sometimes I have to keep myself entertained because life in middle age can get so mundane, so routine and, you know, monotonous. And so I think that's a good, I think that's a consistent message from us both is to be playful and don't take things so serious. Hold it lightly. Be childlike. Have a sense of wonder. Yeah. That a sense of wonder of play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I take uh, this summer, I started weaving classes. So my mother's an artist and I dug out her old loom. And so I started um, playing with some fibers and fabrics, um, so I, I, I need or I, I thrive when I'm learning something new, doing something creative. Um, certainly there are times when I don't do that. And those are the times I feel less inspired in life. Um, so I'm, I'm not necessarily good at anything, um, <laughs> but my Gemini spirit, spirit is like I need to learn a little bit about everything. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And what may be... A hot spot one day is cold the next. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But that's okay. And hopefully, I, I don't know if you can hear this, Teresa, my um, Shih Tzu dog snoring in the background. He's, oh, I love he's, that. Hopefully that's not too loud for the listener, but um, no, I you know, I'm trying to manage. No, I think actually have gotten Raven's purr in the mic when she was up here. Perfect. We are pet-friendly <laughs> podcasters. So uh, yeah, dogs, cats, whatever in the background. I actually, uh, we fostered mice once and that was a one-time gig too. I think my husband and my son said, mom, that's too much. Kind of stunk up the, uh, the bathroom a little bit, but I always say I'm an, I will try anything once. (laughs) (laughs) I will try it if I have any interest in it once. Yes. Yes. Not just, I'm always like, oh, that sounds unusual. And I've never done that. Let's do it. So, yeah. So anything else? What else do we want to kind of, um, you know, tell the listeners we kind of wrap up our first podcast. We have so many fun topics coming up. So many fun topics and shenanigans. Well, I know that our first actual show will, the next show will be on autonomy, alcohol autonomy, and how to really celebrate your individuality mm-hmm. in your journey. So I will be uh, talking a lot about that. I think that's important. And as I said earlier, a lot of women that I would describe that find my work interesting are rebels, but actually I think that they just, they crave autonomy. They really want to have some, some ability to drive their own way to, to create their own path and not be told who they are and what they need to do. So a hundred percent. You described that, me, you described me. Yeah. And, and maybe our community that we're developing here too. Yeah. Yeah. Rebels, so, free thinkers, knowing that there's something else out there. The only rules here are to have an open heart, open and, heart, open mind, and be curious and playful. And if you need additional support, please reach out and get it we are not a replacement for medical attention. So that's just my disclosure. That's true. We're just two ladies talking about shenanigans and sober nonsense. (laughs) 
That's all we are. Nothing yeah, more. We are going to do our best to have a lot of fun doing this and invite you to do so as well. Make sure that you reach out and ask us questions and give us uh, some love in our communities. All and- right. And that being said, we are out. Until next time. Bye.